Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hatch Assad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and a fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. If this is the first time you're listening to our podcast, thank you for trying something new. I really appreciate it, and so does Ben. And I will reiterate, Ben and I are both automotive journalists, and we're also very good friends. Isn't that right, Ben? That is currently correct. Currently? Is there something at Jeopardy that will that will impact your relationship with me? That is up-to-date information, Sammy. Okay. Uh, speaking of up-to-date information, Ben, why don't you tell the people where they can find your latest work? Sure. Uh, you can find my work at Road & Track at... Sorry, that's not true at all. You can find my work at Car & Driver, at Motor Trend, at Driving Line, and at Inside Hook. And I also want to say thank you to everyone out there who supported my most recent Kickstarter for Dead Air issue number one. We fully funded last week, which we, we actually we went over funding, which means the issue is going to be in everyone's hands in the next couple of months. And I know that a lot of listeners got on board with that. So thank you very much for doing that. Uh, very, very much appreciate it. That's a huge. I love that. I'm moving, Ben. Will I... How will this get to me in my new... So... When, when do I give you my address? I will be sending out an elaborate questionnaire, okay, specifically good. to you, Sammy, to make sure that you get the package no matter where you happen to be. Excellent. There That's there might helpful. be something called a bio tracker that you have to swallow that the courier oh, yeah. company uses to locate you. I need that. I need that. I need that because I'm always on the go, really. And, and you are. Could... And honestly, don't worry. That's all they're going to use it for. Just this one package. We invested a significant sum, but we're not going to spread that out across multiple missions. So well, that's why we needed the Kickstarter, essentially. Exactly. It's, um, it's can, all up front. <laughs> yes. You can find my work, in case you were wondering, at carandriverautotrader.ca, driving.ca, and Nouveau Magazine. Ben, we've got some cars to talk about, not just trackers and technology yeah, and stuff I mean, like that. I was thinking, you know, you just told us where to find your work, but if anyone out there wants to know where they can find Sammy at all times, uh, hit me up and I will send you the URL <laughs> for, for the, the gated website. I appreciate that the people will know this um, because they're always people are always wondering, I think. I've stopped posting on Instagram because people keep keep asking me and playing like, where's People Sammy? keep showing up Sam, Sam, where Sam, you Sam, are. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's it's fun in the sense that you no longer have to fill out the emergency contact on any form you're you're currently going yeah, through. Yeah, everyone knows. Yeah, right. everyone knows. But you know what? When you fill it out on the airlines, they don't take URLs to the tracker, which is unfair. I don't I don't like that. Why are they filling it out on the airline? I mean, anyone you care about is going to see that news report. You think so? I think, <laughs> I think so. it'll be buried like 30th page. Assuming a newspaper has 30 pages of content before. Um, mine will be in that 30th page. I don't know. If sure. it bleeds, it leads, Sammy. <laughs> oh, no. Well, you don't know that. We don't know if I have regular human blood in me. That's also true. And we also don't know if that plane disappeared into an interdimensional rift. In which we case, do know. In which case, it was probably bloodless. <laughs> That's true. Ben, what are we talking about this week? I've got some um, high-performance, I think they're luxury cars. Wait, some? I, as in more than one? Yeah. So I went over to San Francisco to drive the... 2024 Audi RS6 Avant Performance, as well as the Audi RS7 Sportback Performance. Okay, okay, okay. So, I know that RS means high performance in Audi speak, right? Usually, yes. So, now we have the RS 
number and performance like performance rs wasn't enough performance and now there's more performance and they're advertising that performance yeah i think the original strategy was to say call it the rs6 rs and the rs7 rs but i think that was i don't think that went down well in the marketing department they did they were like too many badges we don't want we can't have double rs badging on the on the vehicle they're like well Well, well, remember when they called the qt the tt RS? Wasn't it called the TTR? That's yeah, it was many... called the TTRS. That's too many consonants. It was originally called the TT, then the TTS, then the TTRS. And right? they sold all three of those at the same time. Yeah, real real standard performance from Audi there. But there was no TTRS performance, uh, the 100 years edition. <laughs> no, there was no uh, TTRS. The first 100 uh, years, that's what it was. But it is apparently like uh, they're they're commemorating the TT this year. I don't know what they're doing with it. Well, it was but it was, was apparently it years ago. I think it might be older than twenty five. Uh, so, what's twenty five years from from now? If we go back, is it nineteen ninety eight? Hold on, let I me think take that's a look. Right. Nineteen ninety eight. Think... It is twenty five years. Yeah, but they're only making a hundred of them. That doesn't that doesn't track. Well, it's more than twenty five. <laughs> I guess four times the celebration, Sammy. And the and the concept came back in 1995. Don't you love? Yeah, that? it was it was. Uh, I can't remember what it was called. Uh, was it called the TT at that time? Because I know that the, the, right around that period is when Volkswagen was going all out on their concepts, and they had the New Beetle concept. But it, I think it, the New Beetle concept was called Concept One. When concept One, very. Yeah. I mean, they they're full of creativity over there at Audi and Volkswagen. And I, I know the platforms were semi-similar, um, and I don't remember if they actually called the TT the TT at the time. It's not important. You know what's funny, though, is I actually wrote an article about this like yeah. six months ago, and I should probably remember what that concept was called. I, I think you're a lot like me. Whenever I'm on the podcast or I finish writing something, just whatever I have put on the paper escapes my mind forever, really. That, that's why you <laughs> signed so many bad contracts. Yes. <laughs> I know, it's not fair. But what were we talking about? We're talking RS6, about the RS6 RS. Okay, so let's talk about these. First of all, in case it's not clear, the RS6, it's known as the RS6 Avant Performance, is a, is, a, is a wagon, and the RS7 Sportback Performance is a Sportback. So now, I don't that, know. We don't use the term Avant to describe um, our wagons. We I used the, to. I, I mean, think the RS6 is the only one. Audi used to In North call America. Them, yeah, they used to call them Avants. There was an A4 uh, and there was an A6, but they, they those vehicles no longer exist. There's, it's just an all-road now if you want a wagon like Audi that's not an RS model. But I also wanted to kind of mention, I think that the RS6 Avant is the only 6 you can get with the RS performance level. Like, you can't yeah. get an RS6 sedan. No, you can't. Not in North America. I don't no. know if that's true around the world. And I think the seven kind of the seven takes over for that, right? Like that was there. Yeah. Okay. And essentially, the two vehicles um, are are essentially the same mechanically. I believe there's a fifty pound weight difference between the two of them, um, base to base. So I bet you'll be surprised which one has which one weighs more. I think it's the. I'm going to go with the seven because there's more hatch glass. Believe it or not, yes. Okay. You're right. Okay. Uh, it does weigh 50 pounds more. But you know what? There are so many little things about these performance-branded models that um, I think you're going to first assume that they're just like a fancy trim package. But I think they all come together uh, and provide the like 
what the RS6 and RS7 were supposed to be in the, in the in the first place. Whoa, whoa, I think. Whoa, wait, when you say supposed to be, now it kind of sounds like you're down talking those models. I, I want to remind you, a base mm-hmm. RS6 Avant and RS7 has 591 horsepower and 590 pound-feet of torque and can hit 60 miles an hour in three and a half seconds. Now you're saying yes. that that's not what they should have been. I also think that that's not that I, it's not that I don't think that's what they should have been. I think Audi was surprised at how popular these products have become. I don't have the total numbers, but they they just make it sound like people people put their hands out and wanted to get some of these. Um, and I think they were surprised at how many they sold and how much they could sell them for because these aren't cheap cars. No, they're not. Um, and uh, they they bumped up the the performance a little bit. So first up, and normally the performance bump is usually like the headline or, or star of any sort of um, conversation with a performance um, vehicle. I think this is actually a little subdued. Both of these cars get a 30 horsepower and 30 pound-feet of torque bump to 621 horsepower and 627 pound-feet of torque. They achieve this by using bigger turbos. It's a it's a V8, twin-turbo V8. Um, and they've also uh, tweaked the software a little bit. So that that resulted in 30 more ponies, which I think is... About 5%. Is that true? Is, that my, <laughs> is, is my math right? It is quite negligible it in the grand scheme of things. Any other car you add 30 horsepower and it like changes the product considerably, I think. And here, I mean, these are not light vehicles, right? Like, do you happen to have right. a curb weight handy? Yeah, so um, curb weight of the RS6 um, event performance is 4,600, um, while the other one is, what did I say? What's the curb weight here? You said, well, you said 4552. Yeah. Yes. So we're talking about two cars that weigh about as much as the Dodge Charger Hellcat getting 5% more horsepower. Yeah. Tell me that there's more to this performance package than just a number on a, sp- yeah, a spec. Yeah, of, of course there is. But like, let me just tell you the, the that, that little bump in performance has resulted in um, a two second, a two, sorry, not two second, a two tenths of a second improvement in the zero 60 time, which isn't too bad. Um, and the vehicle also gets a lighter, actually like they've cut weight in a bunch of places. For example, it has, um, I have it in kilos. Let me get the, let me get the actual situation here with this, um, in terms of pounds, because that's the real that's the money maker, yeah, right? You say so. We've got. Ten- hold on. They they've reduced the sound insulation. Uh, Seventeen pounds of sound insulation. Wow. Okay. And then they've reduced, as far as I understand, the wheels are significantly lighter as well. That's always a good um, thing. Yeah, heavy wheels are awful. Thought- each each pound, each wheel is eleven pounds lighter than before. That's quite a bit. I mean, that's yeah. al- almost fifty pounds of unsprung weight that's removed. Yeah. Right? And so, unsprung yeah. weight is something that really affects acceleration. Yeah, so like I said, this helps uh, improve the acceleration times by two tenths of a second. It might not sound like a lot, the five percent bump, but all these other things are are adding up. Okay? Now, now, does the engine? Yes. Is there anything different about the engine? Like, is the red line different? Is the has the power band changed? No. Nope. Is the gearing the same? Yep. I assume it's an eight speed automatic. Yep. Is yep. it a, is it a dual clutch or is it a, a, a tor- no? It's tor- not. Converter? It's an automatic. Okay. 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 Uh, it's got all-wheel drive as usual. The the there's a new center di- or a change center differential. 
Um, it's a little bit lighter. It's a little bit more responsive, they tell me. It locks up a little bit quicker, which is interesting. Um, it starts at 40-60 front to rear in terms of the power um, split. If you really want to, or if the situation calls for it, up to 70% can flow to the front axle or up to 85 to the rear. So this doesn't ever become a full rear-wheel drive kind of car. Yeah. Um, there's also an included rear differential to split the power between the rear axle um which which just helps give the car a little bit more um grip in in certain situations but and, i and think is this all unique to the performance or is this carried over this is it's not carried over but these features were optional um uh, sorry that rear differential was optional before and is now included in the in the performance okay okay and then we've we talked about the lighter wheels you can all you also get New Continental Sport Contact 7 tires, which are, you know what, we've been talking a lot about how much cars have improved in terms of performance. And I don't think we've ever talked about how much tires have improved. Tire technology has improved across the board. Uh, and I think I think we've talked about it in the context of, you know, when you look at lap times, like especially mm -hmm. something that's unofficial like Nürburgring times from 10 years ago, you can't really do anything with them now because of how much better tires have gotten. And I think every time an, uh, a tier one tire maker like Continental or Michelin um, comes out with a new generation of performance tire, that's a usually that's usually a significant bump up in terms of performance. The Sport Contact Sevens are they they seem to be very good um, in terms of grip, and they're especially improved in wet wet performance, especially braking, um, where or so so. Audi has said. I didn't drive the non-Sport Contact 7 equipped tires uh, vehicles, so I just have to go by their own metrics. Okay, so we've got these uh, we've got these little bumps here and there. There are there is also a dynamic ride control suspension system that's available. Otherwise, um, uh, models get an air suspension setup. It's important to talk about these these differences because I think depending on the the buyer. You're going to want the dynamic ride control and uh, or, or over the air suspension, but in many cases the air suspension is really comfortable um, and responsive and has a I think to me has a wider spread between the comfort settings and the the sporty settings. While even in the the comfort settings, the dynamic ride control feels very firm. And uh, you know the other thing too to consider with both of these cars is they are not sports cars, right? These are grand touring no. cars, so. When you're talking about suspension choice, I think that's something you want to keep in mind because you're spending a lot of money on these cars. We don't have an exact price for the, yeah. the performance, but the base RS6 Avant is 120 grand. And this has got to be another maybe 15,000 more, I would say. Yeah, I, I don't have the official numbers. I'm sure they're going to be published by the time this door, this podcast goes out. But. So if you're looking at, I'm going to stick with the Avant because that's the most interesting one to me, but I guess okay. it applies to both of them. If you're looking at spending $140,000 or $135,000 on a car, you're probably going to be driving every day. And since you're choosing a wagon, you're probably someone who doesn't want an SUV, but wants something to be somewhat practical as a daily mm -hmm. driver. You're going to want it to be comfortable. Right. Like you're not yeah. going to want to sacrifice comfort for a few tenths of a second on a racetrack you'll almost never visit. I spoke to um, Audi about this because they do have some pretty tight competition in this segment. If you wanted a another high-performance um, sedan or wagon, you'd go to BMW Mercedes. BMW has the M5 competition, while Mercedes has the E63 sedan and wagon. And they they actively, you know, saw the comparison 
and they said um, M vehicles are are better catered to the track, um, and we think our cars have far more uh, versatility in terms of on road on road comfort. And I would agree with them on that. Um, and then I think uh, Mercedes vehicles just have the the rowdy characteristics of AMGs that just sound wild, can burn, can can melt tires, and they kind of have this uh, personality to go with them. Um, I I'm. Oh, you, we mentioned the price tag. That's very expensive. It, you're you're saying we're spending about 140,000 on these vehicles. And that's with no um, options, right? Like that's if you just stuck with like a base yeah. performance. Yeah. I would say there are many scenarios where that price seems out of out of whack. Like that's a that's a wild price point. Well, what I does the E63 wagon cost? Yeah, it's about the same, man. It's yeah. not far off. So you can't go anywhere else, right? Like they yes. and, and Audi knows that. The only other thing you can do is buy multiple cars that perform. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I like me, that solution. That You know I'm voting for team multiple cars. I know you are. But to me, I think there's a lot of people who want a car that can do a little bit of everything. And to me, these cars really do it better than any of the sport SUVs do. Yes. Um, I think they feel significantly more agile and responsive and cooler than a sport SUV. And I had a lot of fun driving them. There are some small improvements on the exterior and interior of the vehicle. You can now get like uh, a fancy matte blue finish on the RS7. Um, and the interior can also be uh, also be matched with that blue. Um, so there's like blue twinkles in the carbon fiber. Twinkle. Or you can get blue <laughs> blue stitching or uh, blue sort of inlays in the in the headrests. The, there are two RS modes. You know how BMW M has these two R, uh, M buttons on the steering wheel? Yes. You have two RS modes that are triggered by a single button on the steering wheel. Um, there's also a feature. They've updated the software so that when you change the drive mode, the, when you turn on the car again, it like acts depending on the last drive mode you were in. Oh, that's nice. So it will like blip the throttle really nice and sporty like when you're in the RS modes, or it'll be quiet in the efficiency mode. Um, what's the other What's the other fun stuff about this car? I think that's about it. Um, that's it. And in your opinion, yeah, versus an E63 wagon, which is really the only thing you can compare this to, unless you start yeah. talking about like an X5M or something like that. Uh, which would be your pick? Uh, E63 wagon. The only thing the the AMGs have in in um in favor of is i believe their all-wheel drive system can do a hundred percent to the rear wheels what are I you going to use a hundred percent i'm just saying wheels. and i think amg has a better soundtrack believe it or not um other than that i think overall enjoyment of the car the the rs6 performance nails it i think it's super versatile i think it's way cooler um looking it, it really looks like a sleeper especially we had some um matte black models that just looked sinister and i had a i had a blast with these things i really was surprised because sometimes you get a performance model and they feel stiff they feel heavy, they feel harsh like they're designed for the track and they're not comfortable for the real world and then sometimes the seats can be too heavily bolstered um you know the the throttle is a bit too jumpy just it doesn't feel like an overall complete product and i think the rs products manage to to toe the line really well. I know that I, I remember liking the car. Um, I remember one thing about the driving the regular Avant, and this was two years ago, I guess, or a year and a half ago, the regular Avant, the RS6 Avant, which is still yeah. crazy, is how much attention the car gathers. At least in here in Montreal, 
like people going out of their way to give me the thumbs up or talk to me about the car or especially when I was driving to like pull up beside and and let me know that they thought it was cool. So it's fascinating to me. I think it's because we live in a a society that is exhausted by crossovers and SUVs. And if you see something different like a wagon now, it really stands out. And I think that's kind of like the X factor for this. I mean, the, for a long time, the RS7 was also kind of an X factor because there weren't yeah. really high performance hatchbacks. But I, I think that that's more common now. And the wagons are still pretty rare. I agree with you. And yeah, we live in a wagonless world now. And I think these things really, um, they look great, honestly. And I, I, I didn't get much attention out there, but um, I think it would probably pull some eyeballs when you're driving around town. Well, you know, I camp out in the left lane and I have the stereo blasting. And Yes, I do know that. <laughs> I have my truck nuts. <laughs> Um, I think that's all I really need to talk about with this vehicle because, as I said, it's an upgrade over the old one. It's not a new generation or anything like that. But I do think, you know, we're ta- we've are we been talking about these kind of, like, final editions in the automotive um, world as more and more automakers are told to make EVs. I think we're, this is probably the last RS6 and RS7 we're going to be seeing with eight, at least for sure, eight cylinders. Um, or without some sort of heavy electrification. This has a mild hybrid system. I'm certain the next one will be a, f- a full hybrid or a plug-in. So, but uh, that's not that's not that's not a it's not truth or anything. Don't don't share. Don't like report that Sammy says he knows everything. I don't. <laughs> I'm just guessing. Uh, so the vehicle I'm driving also does zero to sixty very quickly, but does it in a very different way. Although I would argue that in terms of styling and curb appeal. It's kind of snagging from the same playbook. And what are you talking about? It's, okay. It's the 2023 Hyundai Ioniq 6, which Ooh. is the sedan. If you want to simplify things, this is the sedan version of the Ioniq 5 crossover that we got last year, which was like full on hatchback. But if you want to move beyond simplification, yes, it borrows the same drivetrain. It has the same platform. But in terms of looks, it is completely different whereas the ionic 5 was kind of like this wedge with a whole bunch of right angles the ionic 6 is a a great big arch with a whole bunch of other chunky arches attached to it sammy i think the closest thing to this car would be like a mercedes cls but like somewhat less elongated more of like a shorter wheelbase cls if that makes any sense with with some more chunk no, CLS, the original... But, C- I mean, the CLA is a little bit smaller. It has the same, similar profile. But this is... The CLA is a lot smaller than the, the Ionic Okay. And, and, something in between them. Yeah, and, and... Or even same size. I'm just saying that the, the Mercedes is a smoother look. This has... Not only does the arch feel more pronounced on the roofline, but also has, like, a big Porsche-like wing on the back. It's it's hard to say whether it's a wing or not. It looks kind of like remember when the 911 had those wings that were also incorporated like the cooling system and whatnot for the air cooled cars. Right. It's kind of like that, except you know that's not what it is because this it's not where the motor is or whatever. That's right. And that you don't cool the battery that way. So it's just it's a really interesting amalgamation of styling. And there's a couple of things that really stood out to me when you consider what the Onyx 6 is, and that's first of all, it's a sedan. It's not a hatchback, even though it looks like a hatchback. And uh, I looked into why that was, and apparently if they tried to put the hinges in for a hatch, it would have killed what little rear seat headroom there actually was in the car. I see, yeah. So uh, it's not a hatch, it's an actual sedan. Hyundai is, I think, one of the few companies outside of the luxury segment still building cool sedans. I mean, there's the Ionic 6, which I think is cool, and we'll get into that. There's the Sonata, and then there's the Elantra, and these all look really good. 
You know, yeah. I mean, no other mainstream They're car unique. Co- I think that's what's that's what's great. But there's three of them, Sammy, and I can't yeah. think of another car company that's currently building three good-looking sedans that's not a luxury not a luxury brand. Can, can you? Yeah, I mean, Toyota's trying. They're really trying their best. What but three a do they have? Is, a Corolla is not exa- exactly pretty. But there's but only two. The, they've got the Camry, and I don't know what the Crown is. It's it's a crossover hatchback thing. It's a crossover sedan, I think. I don't know what it is. That doesn't mean anything. I mean, just <laughs> that's just words. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> words in sequence. I don't know what it is. It's it's something. It's definitely something, okay? Uh, um, I think you're right. I think that's about it, though. So, um, the thing that... Well, the reason I underscore that Hyundai... First, Hyundai already has a crossover version of this vehicle, right? And there are so many other car companies that we've seen that would have been like, you know what? Let's take that platform and make a slightly different crossover yeah, and name sure. it something else and then sell them both. But Hyundai decided to not do that. They went in an entirely different direction. They chose a... I'm, s- sorry? I'm confused about the naming, though. Usually the mo- the big- the higher the number, the bigger the vehicle or the more space it has. Or maybe it's related to the doors. But Hyundai 6, Ionic 6 sounds like it would be bigger than Ionic 5, I think right? the I think the reason... I think the only logic we're going to find here is it came after the 5. Yeah, okay. And <laughs> I thought it would be more expensive than the 5, and I don't think that's the case either. I don't think so either. Uh, okay. But, and there's a 7 coming, which of course comes after the 6. <laughs> is it smaller? No, it's bigger. No, it's bigger. I don't know. <laughs> so, so the 6 is a sedan which no one is buying right now. They're very unpopular... Right. Interesting power move from Hyundai to kind of try to change that single-handedly, not only with the Ionic, but with the other sedans that I was just mentioning. Uh, But I think it's super cool in the sense that what Hyundai has done is illustrated what makes a skateboard EV platform so fascinating from a design standpoint. So when you have these these cars that have a battery at the bottom, like built into the bottom of the chassis, you can pretty much put the electric motor wherever it's convenient or electric motors. But it, the in terms of what it looks like above that, you don't have an engine to accommodate, so the hood can look like whatever, the trunk can look like whatever. You can pretty much have a clean slate when it comes to this styling of the vehicle. And if you compare the Ionic 5 and the Ionic 6, you have the perfect example of that being done. This is a company that took a fresh sheet of paper, built a completely different vehicle, but it didn't cost them all that much because they already had the basics down and ready to go. And I think that's I yeah. think that's something more car companies should look into doing. I think more companies are trying to do this thing, but they just aren't pulling it off. And I also think there's this whole decision about, you mentioned sedans and crossovers and hatchbacks and all this stuff. I think what happened was automakers started investing more into SUVs. There were fewer sedans offered and people aren't are when given the choice will probably spend more on a um on a bigger product. I think when we're talking about EVs, EVs are so expensive that I think having another option with those powertrains, with those platforms, it's easier for them to fill in some space in the market and uh, and get people in a different car. That's definitely it. It is so much cheaper to do that with an EV. And I'm 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 so psyched that Hyundai is doing it. I'm Yeah. Because if you look at Ford, like we have the Mach-E, right? And then we have nothing else. We yeah. have the F150, which is a completely different platform, much more expensive. Um and we're we're waiting, right? Same thing with the Ultium platform and packaging found in GM's lineup. A ton of very expensive products, the Hummers, the the Lyrics, and stuff like that. Silverado but EV that's coming that'll be very nothing expensive. Nothing yet uh, in the in the Chevrolet line. Yeah, where's right? the Blazer SS that we've been waiting for for so long? Right. It's I agree with you. So 
those those aspects of the car really appeal to me. Now, I understand some people are going to look at this car and be like, that looks whack. I'm not into it. But yeah, that's I think, fair. I think, this, I think that making a styling statement that generates that type of response is important. I, I prefer that to a vanilla kind of styling experiment. I know I was talking with um, a longtime listener in the podcast, Tobias, about the Ionic 6. And he was telling me when he first saw it, he thought it was a Porsche. Because of because if you look at the way the front and the rear are, I mean, you have that flat front and then the the rear I was talking about with the wing, but just the arches that combine with that, it really does have a like a sporty European look to it. It's 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 an interesting car to look at, even if you're not into it. Um, I only wish that it was as interesting inside, Sammy. Uh, okay, you're gonna have to hit me with that because it, it's, because all right, it can't be that much <laughs> different than the. Than the Ionic Six, can it? It's uh, not. Right, fine. It's right. not that much different than the Ionic Six. I feel though that the Ionic, sorry, the Ionic Five. I feel though that the Five doesn't make kind of an upscale promise with its styling. It just looks cool, but it doesn't look like, hey, maybe that's a luxury car cool. Right. Whereas the Six, it's like, hmm, that's that's kind of Euro. That's kind of maybe it's a sports car. Maybe it's like entry level luxury. And then you get inside. And everything's fine, and it works great, and I don't have any complaints about the functionality. But the switchgear is quite plain, the the trim is quite plain. It's it's the ob- opposite of what you would see in a Ge- in a Genesis, which is I think where Hyundai is really investing all of their detail oriented luxury stuff. So that's okay, especially when you look at the pricing. I mean, it starts around forty two grand for like the small battery, small motor rear wheel drive model, but even the one I drove, all optioned up, dual motor. It was about 60. Uh, and you can, in between, there's, there's you know, if you just want the dual motors or the bigger, ba- the bigger battery is only like $4,000. So you're still under 50, comfortably under 50 for the long range. And that gets you okay. 361 miles uh, and about um, 225 horsepower, I would say. And if you want the dual motor, which is what I have, it was uh, the, the mileage drops because um, it has a bigger battery and the extra motors. And I had the 20-inch rims, which we've talked about in the past, about how bigger rims really kill your your range. So I had 320 horsepower and 446 pound-feet of torque. But because of the rims on my model, it's 270 miles of driving. So that's Uh, like... Oh, yeah. The rims thing is so interesting. I'm curious as to when we're just going to start to see range spec models with like 16s or something. They do have a range spec model. So you can get, I think it's... 316 miles with the all-wheel drive version the dual motor and that's only another 3500 bucks so we started at 42 you had four grand for the big battery and i think Mm -hmm. 3500 for the all-wheel drive you have to get the two together no you can get a big battery without all-wheel drive right you can get the big battery without all-wheel drive yes good thank you um but the if you want all-wheel drive you have to get the big battery and then you're around 50 which is still not a ton of money for what is a pretty impressive vehicle. I mean, the range is good. The power is outstanding. It does 60 in, uh, I think car and driver timed it at four and a half seconds. The official line is like 5.1. It feels, it feels very, very fast all the time. I mean, the only car in its class that can outperform it is the model three performance. And that starts at 55,000. Okay. Uh, But this car is competitive with Tesla everywhere. If you look at price, if you look at range and you look at power, Mm-hmm. The only uh, the only area where the Tesla really pulls ahead is straight line speed. And that's something I don't think matters to most people. So this is okay. one of the interesting areas where Tesla is starting to cede the advantage it's had for so long. Intra- uh, see it diminish. 
seed. C E D. Sorry, it's sorry. it's my. I got to practice my non-regional diction. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I'm I'm also impressed by Hun- by Hyundai and Kia's um, push to get these platforms and these motor and these batteries um, on in as many vehicles as they can because it's actually a pretty good um, setup. They, yeah, they, they, these things are supposed to support really fast charging speeds. Yeah, it's like uh, 10%, 10% to 80% in less than 20 minutes in a perfect world, right? Yeah, in a perfect world. So that's a pretty big deal. I think um, seeing we've got Ionic 5 and 6, that's two. We've got EV6 and we've got Genesis EV60. Um, and I think actually they've managed to shove that that powertrain into some other vehicles as well, which as well feature like speedy charging, like the Genesis GV70, um, I'm not sure what the peak charging is on the on the Hyundai Kona EV or the Kia Soul EV and Nero they're, they're EV. They're considerably slower. So th- you've got a bunch of these EVs all over the all over the map. There's a lot of options here, and I think that's you know we get a lot of people telling us that there aren't a lot of options. They're too expensive. They don't get enough range. And I think we're starting to see a lot of options from the Korean automakers here. Now, I want to point something out about this vehicle that I'm talking about. Um, If you go to the Hyundai website right now and you try to build one, I'm unable to build an an all-wheel drive, a a, a dual-motor Ionic 6. Um, Oh, no. They only seem to be offering the rear-wheel drive ones right now. You can still get the big battery. Like, the limit of the top tier is, like, 52 grand, and that has the big battery. But it has, you know, you get the range. You don't necessarily get the same level of horsepower. Uh, if you look at the top of the screen, it says that it's available in limited, the the whole car is available in limited quantities in select states only. So the rollout for the six, I think is slower than the one for the five. Okay. So I think we're going to be waiting. I don't know how long. Um, one, I, I don't have much more to say about this vehicle. I was impressed with it. I know that there is an N version of the Ionic 5 coming out that's going to be crazy, and I have no doubt they will make an N version of this as well, and is the high-performance edition of any Hyundai vehicle now. Um, there's a whole bunch of talk, Sammy, about how it's going to... The, the Ionic 5N is going to fake gear changes and fake noises like you're changing gears in a turbocharged four-cylinder engine. How do you feel about that? Like, on, on a racetrack? Um, I'm not sure. I don't think I love it. I don't know about the noises. Um, I, I honestly think that the the like that high pitched whir that comes from from certain EVs, it's cool, man, and and I love it. I I I'm it, loving it. I not, think I agree with you. Like I talked with friend of the show, journalist Bradley Iger, and he said that for him, when he's on a racetrack, he uses the sound of the engine to determine how fast he's going, what gear he needs to be in, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Now I understand that because I do the same thing in my in my internal combustion track car. But when you don't have gears. Yeah. And when you, when I'm, my conversation with him, I, I mentioned that when I'm in an EV, I have different expectations. Yeah. Like I don't need an EV to feel or sound like a gas car, I guess. Yeah. And I, I change. I think the feel part is essential. I mean, I think the hearing and the feeling come together. I think we're talking about senses, right? Yeah. Um, and I think when we talk about how, it feels like when you first get into a into an EV and you put your foot to the ground and you and you notice that instant thrust you hear you you notice that it doesn't let up until it hits a sort of like wall in terms of power that's a different feel than the than the you know the slippage the 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 gear changes slamming into gears um that you get with a gas powered car it's a whole different experience right and and if i'm being perfectly honest 
I go to the racetrack in a 45-year-old car. That's (laughs) the experience that I want to have. I'm not going to be going to the racetrack in an electric vehicle. I I like electric vehicles. But once they become the only option on a racetrack, that doesn't interest me. Mm-hmm. personally and i think that it's great that they will be on racetracks i mean i already see teslas at the track events i go to uh, wow. I, I don't have a problem with it it's just that personally i go for different reasons than mm-hmm. these cars exist for and so i don't necessarily when i when i take my own preferences and put them beside what the ionic 5n is offering yeah. it's just not something i'm interested in because it's it's not, I don't need it to replicate an experience because I'm never going to have that experience, at least not personally, professionally for sure. But like in terms of my own personal preferences, they don't match up. So I, I feel set apart from that. Yeah. I mean, I think we've talked about taking heavier um, gas powered vehicles on the track in, in the past. I think you've told me you've taken, I think the track hawk on the track and some X five M's or X six M's in the past. I've taken bigger, not SUVs, but I've taken, um, Porsche Panamera GTS on the track. And these are not, they were not, at least for me, the experience was, this is crazy that I can do it. I don't want to do it that much. Right. (laughs) I remember driving a Cayenne V six on the track, the base Cayenne (laughs) at, at Mosport, which has a very long back straight. And I remember getting to that back straight. This was, I think at the Porsche world roadshow, which is a really big, I mean, it's in the name what it is, but it travels around and it it lets customers and dealers connect with each other. And you get to drive a whole bunch of different models from the current lineup. And I remember like with my foot to the floor on this, on this super long back straight and just nothing happening. Like it was even with the noise, the gear changes that are present in, in, in uh, ice vehicles, you're not going to enjoy it, right? There's, yeah, there's, there are vehicles you won't enjoy it. EVs, I'm not sure if it's the noise or if it's the performance or if it's the weight or all of these other things that make it less appealing to you. I understand that you have you're looking for something specific when you take your car on the track. Yeah, um, I mean, and I, for me, I I like the feeling of grip. I like the feeling of you know slinging through a corner or or lining up everything nicely. And challenging myself, and and sometimes when you have a car that does all of the all the hard work for you, it can straighten you out in a very easy way due to fantastic torque vectoring or super grippy tires. That's that diminishes it a little bit. I still have fun with cars like that can do that stuff. I love going fast, you know. But I'm worried that EVs will will automate too much of the process. Yeah, there's, and, there's that. And there's also the fact that, I mean, if I'm being truly honest with myself, I don't have a lot of interest in taking a modern gas-powered car on a track either for many of the reasons you just mentioned. Like, yeah, I, I, I think just, also weight is a huge issue. I hate having to handle heavy vehicles on, on a track, especially sure. if there's uh, elevation change. Uh, you, you have to constantly keep that in mind while looking ahead and dealing with uh, with the course ahead. And I, I think, you know, I go to a track... And consumables, brakes and tires. For Sorry. sure. But I, I go to a track for a certain reason. I'm there for a specific reason that I enjoy. There are plenty of other people at the track, whenever I go, who are there for totally different reasons, and they want to be the fastest. They build their cars to be the fastest. That's what they focus on, and that's totally cool as well. But it's just realizing personally that that's not where I am. That's not where my head is. And then when I look at EVs, I kind of feel like, you know, that's a step beyond what I'm interested in, in just in terms of the experience. So okay. anyway, just yeah. to wrap it up, Ionic 6 good. <laughs> if you're <laughs> looking for an EV... I can't recommend the Ionic 5 or the Ionic 6 more uh, than any of their comparably priced competitors. 
There are two things about both of these vehicles that are problematic. I mean, aside from the somewhat boring interior, whatever, that's okay, especially at the price point. But the door handles, they pop out from the side when you approach the vehicle, at least on the vehicle trim level I had. I don't know if they do that at the lower trims. You might have to push them to get them to pop out. In the winter, if they're iced over, that's a problem. I've spoken to owners who've been frustrated by that. The other thing is, even though this doesn't have a hatch, it has a hatch-like window, the crossover Ionic 5 is definitely a hatch with a window in the back. Neither of them have wipers. So that is going to Oof. maybe be a deal breaker for people who have to deal with winter and all the salt and crap that just gets kicked up on the glass. Yeah, agreed. Um, all right, I don't have anything else I want to talk about this week. Anything you want to deal with? No, I think that that wraps us up. Sammy, what are you going to be talking about next week? When are we coming back? Because I've got an embargo. I don't want to break it. Um, okay. I'm going to be talking about the Rolls-Royce Spectre, which is the luxury car's first, the luxury brand's first EV. And um, sounds pretty cool. Sounds, really pretty, fancy. sounds pretty spooky, Sammy. Uh, I'm going to be talking about the GMC Canyon Denali, which is completely new for 2023. It's the new platform for the truck. And as far as I know, it's the only luxury midsize truck, question mark? Yeah, so far. Well, yeah, so far. Yeah. Uh, it's so also considerably less spooky. It's. I mean, that remains to be seen, but I do think you're right. Um, if you want to reach out to us and get in touch and ask us spooky questions about the spooky cars we drive, what's the best way people can do that, Sammy? You can head on over to our website, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. There's a contact form. You fill that out and... That lands in our inbox. So if you have questions about spooky cars, about um, weird names for vehicles, anything else you've got on your mind, you can send it through there and it'll land in our inbox. Additionally, you can reach out to us on social media. You can find Instagram on the filter-filled world of Instagram. He's <laughs> at Hunting Benjamin. What's wrong? Did you just laugh at me? Yeah, I just – I'll tell you later. <laughs> filter-filled world of, of Instagram. Um, or you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Sammy underscore ha like you're laughing. You can also email us the old-fashioned way. Here's Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com. And if you take the time to peruse UnnamedAutomotivePodcast.com, you will find pictures of the cars we talk about. You will find links to various things that we like to link to, including our Ko-Fi account, where you can uh, send us a tip or two. And there's also uh, all of our past episodes, well over 300 for you to check out. You can also find those pretty much anywhere you get podcasts. Amazon, Google, Spotify, uh, Apple. Did I say Apple? No. Anyway, say it again. Apple. Uh, you can find us everywhere. If you do find us everywhere, please leave a review or leave a comment or show your friends because that really helps us get in front of more ears. Uh, anyway, thank you very much for listening and we'll be back next week. Sounds good. Bye.